Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This is the Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at Western New York with news, features, and special guests. Now, here's your host, Brian Rusk. Welcome to the Rust Report on the Bet 1520. At the recommendation of the chairman of the board of Castle Harlan, Inc., we have with us today William Doyle. And Mr. Castle recommended him because he has a new book out. It's called The Titan of the Senate, Orrin Hatch, and The Once and Future Golden Age of Bipartisanship. And boy, do we need that in Washington Today It seems that they're just fighting, fighting, and fighting, and Hatch represented the opposite. To tell you a little bit about William Doyle, he's a New York Times bestselling award-winning author and TV producer based in New York City. We are talking to him now as he is in Helsinki, Finland. His books include American Gun, History of the United States in Ten Firearms, co-authored with former U.S. Navy SEAL Chris Kyle. Harper Collins, 2013. Navy SEALs, their untold story, co-authored with former U.S. Navy SEAL Dick Couch, Harper Collins, 2014. And I've met uh, Orrin Hatch five or six times. What a diplomat, a statesman, uh, a very gifted and kind man. Uh, let's uh, talk about uh, how it is referred in your book that you discussed the greatness uh, measured by achievement. What did Orrin Hatch achieve, William Doyle? Thank you so much, Brian. It's great to be with you. And what drew me to this subject was a report that I read almost two years ago that Orrin Hatch, Senator Orrin Hatch from Utah, who had just retired after 41-plus years in the Senate, he joined, and he was the longest-serving longest Republican senator uh, at the time, and he uh, served from the beginning of Jimmy Carter's administration until 2019, a, an extraordinary uh, length of time. But I, I, I knew of him, but then I read uh, the rather striking fact that uh, Orrin Hatch was responsible for more legislation being passed than any other senator in that long time span. Number two, by the way, was his uh, almost brother figure, who he was fighting with much of the time, uh, Senator Edward Kennedy of Massachusetts. He was number two. Arn Hatch was number one. And I thought, 
wow, why don't I know that? And what, how did that happen? And what's behind all this? And it turns out that, uh, as the book title says, uh, my strong opinion is that Orrin Hatch is a titan of the Senate, meaning um, if great, uh, Brian, if greatness is measured by achievement, then he is uh, definitely the most uh, or the greatest senator of the modern era, according to the nonpartisan uh, analysis by a think tank called the Center for Effective Lawmaking at Vanderbilt and uh, at uh, Vanderbilt University and the, and the University of Virginia. And according to them, he had his name on more on more legislation than any other uh, senator. And what that means is, in many, many cases, these were bipartisan achievements. And I, we can get into that if you like. But that's what impressed me the most, is that I think not only is he a window to a perhaps distant past when Republicans and Democrats worked a lot more together, but a example for the future uh, uh, for a much more productive political environment that he personifies. Yeah, a real statesman. I was very uh, honored to be at lunch and dinner with uh, John Castle and Orrin Hatch a few times, and such a gentle, kind um, giving man with so much uh, depth. Um, would you refer to him as one of the greatest U.S. senators in the last 50 years? And if so, why? Oh, definitely. Now, you know, it's a um, he is a paradox inside an enigma, to misquote uh, Winston Churchill, because on the one hand, no man or woman is more responsible for shaping the current Supreme Court, for example, than Orrin, Senator Orrin Hatch of Utah. He was involved in every confirmation since Clarence Thomas in 1991, and he often pushed for justices across the federal bench who were uh, so-called conservative or who uh, had an original originalist interpretation of the Constitution, uh, and he pushed hard for such justices. But, but, Orrin Hatch, according to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, was Ruth Bader Ginsburg's strongest champion in getting uh, confirmed. And that was also true of Stephen Breyer. So he was uh, very strong for qualified judges when a president backed them when the timing was right. And, and that's, that's his bipartisan character again. But uh, Orrin Hatch, the reason I think he is great, according to the empirical evidence also, is that Hatch got together with Ted Kennedy when they weren't fighting, which was often uh, in, in uh, you know, serving on the same committee, the Judiciary, the uh, Labor and Health Committee. Um, the two men got together and did fantastic things for the American people. Number one, the Americans with Disabilities Act. Orrin Hatch rarely gets sufficient credit for this, but he championed and rescued the Americans with Disabilities Act on not one, not two, not three, but four separate occasions and got it passed at the last minute in a dramatic showdown on the U.S. Senate floor, which I get into great detail in my book, the behind-the-scenes, you know, ticking clock story of that, and got that pushed through. That was the greatest civil rights act since the 1960s. If it was not for Orrin Hatch, that act might still be being fought over, and that's according to the strong, to the 
number one disability rights activist at the time, a woman named Patricia Wright, who I interviewed for the book. So these are all measures of greatness, uh, in, in my opinion. Now, he was a human. He made mistakes. He admits to them. But I think the key to all this is his faith, his Christian um, uh, faith and his strong uh, background in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which was very defining to his whole life. Very good. Let's talk a little bit more about the relationship with Teddy Kennedy. Uh, they were a political opposites. Uh, Hatch was a conservative. Uh, Teddy Kennedy was a dyed-in-the-wool liberal. And uh, Hatch uh, told me and Mr. Castle over breakfast that um, he pulled Teddy aside when he had uh, wild uh, behavior, you know, with all this partying and drinking and so forth, and he basically brought him aside and he said, now cut this nonsense out and get back to work, and and Kennedy remarried, uh, got more serious uh, with his job as a U.S. senator. So a lot of people give Orrin Hatch the credit for getting uh, Teddy Kennedy focused and engaged uh, in the U.S. Senate. Could you go into depth on this, William Doyle? Yes, well, both Teddy Kennedy and Orrin Hatch, despite their radical differences, had some things in common. They were men who were raised in Christian faith, but they also had lost older brothers. Ted Kennedy lost three older brothers to violent events. Orrin Hatch lost his uh, beloved older brother, uh, in who was shot down over Europe in World War II, uh, which was a devastating blow to him. So they had that, that, that bond. They also, you know, Arn Hatch went to Washington to fight Teddy Kennedy, basically. That was one of his, his main missions, uh, because he thought that the country was going in the wrong direction. Um, and he was a, Hatch is a compassionate conservative. But he saw a lot going wrong with the country, and he blamed Ted Kennedy for uh, sort of the direction of some of that. And he did fight Ted Kennedy. But over a couple of a couple of years after Hatch got there, the two of them were put on the same committee, the Health and Labor Committee. And Hatch realized that he was outnumbered by liberal Republicans and by Democrats. And if Hatch wanted to get anything done for the American people. He had to engage uh, the other members of the, of the committee and try to turn what they were doing from liberal entitlement, overspending, and probably inefficient, to an efficient, accountable, more centrist, uh, uh, bipartisan achievement. And he did that remarkably with all of Teddy Kennedy's big achievements, many of them, I should say, uh, for the rest of Teddy Kennedy's uh, ten- uh, tenure. That he did with Arn Hatch. Arn Hatch would come in, drive Ted Kennedy crazy, uh, <laughs> and they would have uh, yelling matches, and you know they would make up, and then they'd yell again. Mainly Ted Kennedy doing the yelling. Um, and, but Hatch would re-engineer Kennedy's proposals to be much more efficient and accountable, and better for a dollar spent. For example, the Children's Health Insurance Program, a great triumph that uh, covered tens of millions of American children caught between the poverty level and the, uh, the parents uh, were above the poverty level, but the parents were, could not afford company or private insurance. A huge gap in the American system. 
Ted Kennedy came in, had his own plan. Arn Hatch said, no, no, we're not going to do it that way, and came up with a brainstorm. He said, let's get the tobacco companies to pay for this uh, plan in the late 1990s. And Ted Kennedy was, was yelling and screaming, and he didn't like anything else that Hatch proposed about this. But in the end, Hatch got it through, and no big surprise that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, members of that uh, church, often called Mormons, are not the biggest smokers in the world. They don't smoke, they don't smoke at all. So Aaron Hatch could do that politically back home in Utah and fund this incredible program that continues to this day. And he did it because he took an entitlement away from Ted Kennedy and turned it into a much more efficient delivery system of funds to the states. Now, Ted Kennedy was greatly, was very proud of that. And so was Orrin Hatch, because, again, what you said at the beginning, Brian, is so important. Bipartisanship and creativity is, and pragmatism is what we need in Washington right now. We do not need more name-calling or demonization. And that Kennedy-Hatch relationship, as, uh, as uh, fractious as it was, is a great example of how you can get things done in, in Washington, and often do get done behind the scenes. Some of this goes on today, but I think... Brian, that we as voters and Americans need to push for it more, need to celebrate it more, and need to make heroes more out of the men and women who do this than the ones who were good at name-calling and divisiveness. Very good. We're learning a great deal from the author of The Titan of the Senate, Orrin Hatch, and it will be available to readers through Amazon, Barnes & Noble. We urge all of our listeners, if you're listening in Buffalo or Montreal or Washington, D.C., to our 50,000 watts of clear channel power on the BET 1520, drop us a note. Please write to Brian Rusk, The Rusk Report, BET 1520, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. This station has received letters as far away as Scandinavia New Zealand, we always read letters from our Canadian and European listeners, so drop us a note. Our guest today, William Doyle, author of The Titan of the Senate, is in Helsinki, Finland, where we're taping this. We have a little plug here. Western New Yorkers love their traditions, and the Ampol Legal has been writing about Polish-American traditions and events for over 50 years. News and features from a Polish-American perspective can be found in this weekly newspaper, as well as recipes and a calendar of events. Don't miss out on the next cultural presentation or polka dance by reading the Ampol Legal. The Ampol Legal is available in many Tops and Wegman stores. For home delivery, call 716-835-9454. That's 716-835-9454. You have the latest news from Poland and Polonia in your mailbox each week. I'd like to thank those who've called regarding our shows with Richard Earle, grandson of the famous auto automotive designer Harley Earle, also uh, Sheriff Garcia and John K. Castle of Castle Harlan, Inc. A little bit more information about our guest William Doyle, author of the Titan of the Senate. He also uh, wrote PT-109, An American Epic of War, Survival, and the Destiny of John F. Kennedy, HarperCollins, 2015, Let the Children Play, Oxford University Press, 2019, and Beyond Valor, HarperCollins, Nelson Books, 2020. 
In 2014, William Doyle co-produced the top-rated PBS primetime documentary special, Navy SEALs, Their Untold Story, the companion TV program for the book. Our guest, author of The Titan of the Senate, Orrin Hatch. The author is with us today, William Doyle. Uh, Let's talk about Orrin Hatch more as a conservative champion. Why would you look upon him this way? Orrin Hatch, beyond influencing the current shape and character of the U.S. Supreme Court more than any other man or woman, uh, was he, he came from a conservative um, uh, uh, tradition of the 1970s, which was a reaction to the Great Society, the expansion of federal programs, and the perceived uh, collapse of the American, um, sort of the American covenant uh, that, that had prevailed since the, uh, since the end of World War II. I happened to work, my first job in life was working for a senator who was so conservative that that was his party affiliation officially. He was not a Republican or a Democrat. He was a capital C conservative Republican from New York State, a man named Jim James Buckley, William Buckley. Yes, brother. I've met him. And mm-hmm. um, I worked for him. Yeah. And um, I worked for him as an intern at, at the lowest rung of the U.S. Senate. But I, I respected greatly his ideological foundation, which was very much a classic conservative uh, point of view. Now, uh, Orrin Hatch had a similar uh, background, and he was nobody in 1976 in the political world. He had never even appeared in the Salt Lake City newspapers until he just, and he was a very successful, very smart trial attorney uh, who came from Pittsburgh originally. Now he's in Salt Lake City, and he decides to run for the Senate. And everybody says, don't run for the Senate. You don't have a chance. Nobody knows who you are. You have no money. And he, out of nowhere, captured the Republican um, uh, nomination for Senate by coming on as a strong conservative. And in a Hail Mary pass, kind of a desperate maneuver, he asked Ronald Reagan, who then was not president, not even the he, he had briefly been a presidential candidate in 76. This is 1976 we're talking about. Um, he reached out to Ronald Reagan and said, could you endorse me? And Ronald Reagan said, you know, this Hatch is very strong. He might take he might take this Senate seat, and I could use him as a future ally if I try to run if I run for president again. He endorsed him. Hatch won uh, and went to Washington. And then four years later, he became a strong uh, supporter of uh, Reagan when Reagan became president. But in the in the Carter years, uh, Orrin Hatch did something incredibly historic. It was an epic showdown, again, on the U.S. Senate floor, where Orrin Hatch stood up and tried to stop the Democratic majority. By the way, the Republican Party looked to be dying in 1977 uh, and 78 when this mm-hmm. happened. All the gov- Almost all the state governments were controlled by uh, uh, Democrats. The entire Congress was Democrats had a hammerlock on Congress, and a Democrat in the White House. And the Democrats wanted to pass a um, union reform, a labor reform bill that would have given unions uh, strong, stronger power than they already had under the FDR uh, era 
Wagner Act, which gave them, you know, X amount of strength. This would have given them probably double the strength and might have made the Republican Party extinct because of uh, much more union power and funds going to support Democrats. That's what people were afraid of. And one man stood up and said, we got to stop this and save the two-party system and save the um, Republican Party. And it was Orrin Hatch. And again, people said, you know, you, you've, got, you've got the president, all of Congress against you and all, and all the unions against you. What are you going to do? How do you think you're going to win? And Hatch said, Listen, unions have enough power as it is, and by the way, many of them are run by gangsters, uh, literally mafia gangsters, which at the time was very, very true. We often forget that this was a terrible problem of organized crime in the unions in the 1970s. That had not yet been cleaned up. Uh, That took well into the 1980s. So Hatch tried to stop it, and in a very dramatic series, again, of Senate floor showdowns, uh, um, that were very dramatic that I get into in my book, Arn Hatch pulled a rabbit out of, the, out of his hat and managed to block this reform bill, which gave him the conservative credentials suddenly, Brian. Mm-hmm. Almost like Nixon going to China or Reagan going to Russia, he now had the conservative um, uh, power and respect to become a national player. In his first term as senator, in his, uh, I believe he was in his uh, late 40s at the time. That set the stage for him being a tremendous force in the years that followed and becoming what I call a titan of the Senate. And I, sh- I should point out that um, my book is going to be available late this summer, actually in uh, in September. And so this is kind of an advanced look <laughs> at the book that we're doing now. Oh, good. We hope that all of our listeners, if they're listening in Cheektowaga, New York, or Toronto, or Manhattan, go out and get the Titan of the Senate in a few months. Uh, It's about U.S. Senator Orrin Hatch, written by our guest, William Doyle, recommended by the chairman of the board, Castle Harlan, John Castle. So please uh, get this book. Uh, again, if you have any thoughts or comments, we greet comments from our Canadian and European listeners. Please write to Brian Rusk, and that's the Bet 1520500 at Corporate Parkway, Buffalo, New York, 14226 Suite 200. A little bit more information about William Doyle. In 2017, he was executive producer of the History Channel primetime TV documentary inauguration special, Transition of Power, the Presidency. The Indianapolis star has called him a master of crackling prose and a tireless hunter for vital facts and perspectives. His first job was as an intern in the Capitol office of U.S. Senator James Buckley, who represented the state we're taping from today a conservative Republican like Orrin Hatch. Again, the book is Titan of the Senate. In uh, September, in seven months, you'll be able to get this through Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Our guest today, William Doyle, author of The Titan of the Senate. Let's talk about the need for bipartisanship. Um, It's sort of a toxic culture in Washington today. Who can destroy each other the fastest, and it seemed that Orrin Hatch always put out that olive branch to find a common ground 
with his opposition as he did with Teddy Kennedy. Let's talk about his bipartisan streak, Orrin Hatch. Well, think about what you just said. The prevailing impulse in American politics today is to destroy, destroy your opponents. Think of where, think of how, now, now it, you know, American politics has always been rather vicious, uh, going back to, you know, Thomas Jefferson or before. Um, and I should add, Brian, that this book is definitely available now through pre-orders. I meant to make that clear, that you can certainly go to Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com and pre-order the book now if you're interested in the subject matter for when the book uh, does come out. But um, you, you know what one of Orrin Hatch's friends told me? The thing, this is a uh, banker in um, in Utah, Scott Anderson. He said, one of the things that, that I respect most about Arn Hatch is that he sees the nobility in his opponents. Now think of that, seeing your opponents as being noble. And in most cases, they really are. You know, or, or they're certainly, in, in Washington today, I can look at most of the people in Congress and tell you, they're noble. I don't care what. Uh, which direction they're coming from. They probably went to Washington for noble purposes. They think they're doing the noble thing. And if we could just get them to wake up and see the nobility in their opponents, I think they'd be able to work together a lot more and to kind of shed this horrible straitjacket we have in in America at the moment of ideology and partisan politics impulse to destroy you and and to destroy your your opponent. If we if we could do that, and the only way it's going to happen is when American voters reward that kind of behavior. If we can do that, there's there's no limit to what we can do together, uh, internationally and with uh, in domestic policy. I came to Finland a few years ago. I've been going back and forth on a State Department program called the Fulbright Scholar Program mm-hmm. to learn from other countries. Um, and I think that one of the, Brian, one of the greatest uh, uh, e- exhibits of patriotism that an American can have is to be humble and to learn from other countries and to learn from your opponents. And that's a, uh, again, that's kind of a, and certainly to be proud of America and all the things we have to be proud of, but that's a message that Orrin Hatch took and uh, through his career, and he actually wound up being a very international figure. He wound up being the um, president pro tem, or or ranking in seniority of the United States Senate as a function of longevity and respect among his peers. So he became kind of a globe-trotting statesman, and he projected the um, uh, the character of the Senate to you know Angela Merkel and uh, world leaders around the world, and and also when they came to Washington. So it's a very interesting illustration of how you can be a loyal champion of conservative causes, but at the same time work with Democrats and, yes, with liberals uh, to do great things almost behind the scenes. His last year was his most productive year in the U.S. Senate, uh, uh, among many productive years. And he was working with Amy Klobuchar and um, any number of so-called liberals or doctrinaire democrats but when they got together on these projects they they were no longer ideologues they were pragmatists trying to do great things for the american people that's one of the things that our mutual friend john castle and i have talked about is the impulse to get together and get things done and and there is no american senator in the modern era who got more done 
empirically, based on the evidence and the numbers and the number of bills passed and the and the uh, how how major they were, then are in are in hatch. I'm so sorry, we have to bring study. the Rusk report to a close. We've learned a great deal from the author of the Titan of the Senate, Orrin Hatch. Our guest has been a world-renowned author. William Doyle. Special thanks to Kevin Carr, Director of Production for the past 15 years. Thank you for enlightening us, William Doyle. Have a great week. You've been listening to The Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at the Western New York community with news, features, and special guests. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write to Brian Rusk, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Amherst, New York, 14226. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.